This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we'd like, we started last week, I'd like to continue along uh, today to share something about this uh, radical humility that will dynamically impact your life. You'll access the blessings of Almighty God and all that He has provided in supernatural ways if we understand radical humility and, and we obey Him and follow His directions about obtaining His blessings. There's a lot to discover right here. So hopefully you take some notes, jot things down, or you can go on to your phone afterwards on uh, YouTube. U-version. U-version, not YouTube. <laughs> U-version. And look at Faith in Me Church and all the notes that I share here will be there. So you'll have those scriptures you can look over again if you want. And there's always DVDs that are free to everybody after every service. So anyhow, um, let's read together. If we could, Micah. Chapter 6, verse 6. What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offering should we give Him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer Him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. Sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Jesus. He was the sacrifice, was He not? Mm-hmm. for the sins of the world. And all who believe upon him, they are forgiven. But he says here, in answer to that question, you know, should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, see, the only way we can walk close to God is the humility. The opposite of humility is pride. And he tells us what is required of us. And this is a passage, verse 8. Uh, I had learned it originally in the King James Bible. I had learned it as a song many years ago. And we used to sing it that way. And I'll tell you what, when you learn some scripture songs, we learn so many scriptures that way, do we not? Yes. Yeah. And we can teach them to our children. A, a scripture song and they memorize the passage but this is the way it goes if you'd like to join us and sing along with it, it goes he has shown the old man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk Humbly with thy God. This is what he requires of us. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And it opens up doors. It opens up blessings. It opens up all that God has in store for you when we learn to walk humbly. The alternative of to walk in humility is to walk pridefully and arrogantly. And he says, this is required. And he tells us down here in uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. True humility. True humility. Because 
There's a lot of false stuff in this world, is there not? Yes. I mean, we, we hear in the last two or three years, we keep hearing the term about the false news. False news, is that right? Mm -hmm. It's just like there's a lot of stuff that people are portraying that is not true, but they promote it as being true. There's a lot of falseness that goes on this in this world. And here the scripture says, Proverbs 22, 4, true humility. And fear of the Lord. And, and the scripture, if you look it up, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Because evil separates us from God. And it says true humility and the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And it's this reverential, this very respectful worship of God. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And it says, True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Is it okay if God wants to pour riches out upon you? Yep. Uh, three of you are going to get lots of riches poured out upon you. I didn't hear nobody else say anything, I don't think. But he says, true humility and the fear of the Lord, it leads us to riches. It leads us into a position of honor. And it leads us into a place of long life. Is that okay with you if God wants to send that your way? Yes. That's what he says in his word. And then in Psalms chapter 69, verse 30. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with horns and hooves. Can you see... Now, I'm asking a sincere question. Can you see God actually working in your life? Now, not just some fictitious assumption, but do you genuinely see God working in your life like right now? Yes. He sure is, and he wants you to see it. And he tells us here... In verse 32, the humble will see their God at work. The humble will see their God at work. And if we're not seeing him at work, maybe we're not walking in humility. That's what he requires of us. It would be pride, pride and arrogance and things like that. And we're not going to see him moving too much in our lives. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. How many people? All. And what percentage is that? Let all, let a hundred percent, let all who seek God's help be encouraged, which means all those who seek God's help will obtain courage. Like the Shadrach and the Meshach and the Abednego's obtained courage to take a stand for their God. And God showed up, the Son of God showed up in the fire and protected them. And Almighty God showed up when David went out against Goliath and he took Goliath out with a stone. And all those who seek, as the scripture tells us, they seek help from Almighty God, they will be encouraged. They will obtain courage and to overcome and be victorious in these issues of life. You know, it's just thinking about the, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. The prideful don't see God at work in their lives. They, they want to take credit for everything that takes place in their lives. They, they're not seeing God's hand at work. And even 
where it says, let all who seek God's help be encouraged. I think it's hard for a prideful person to receive help. Hmm. You're, you're very right. You're very right. But if you want to see God at work in your life, and you, if you want to obtain the courage that Almighty God provides, let's learn and walk in humility. It is something that we learn. We're not just born or even just born again with it. It's something that we learn. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be a shellfish. No. I'm sorry? Don't be selfish. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the same thing, I think. Different kind of fish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Selfish pride tries to impress others. Just trying to make a good impression. That's what a lot of people are. Just make a good impression. And the scripture says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. See, selfish pride thinks of self as better than others. Selfish pride does that. And we're, we're basically a selfish people. Here in this nation, there's a sinful nature that tries to creep up and take over us, does it not? You know, so we are basically a selfish person and and we want what we want and we want it now don't we you know considering others as better than ourselves it it seems unnatural it seems un-american to put others before yourself i mean because everything we're looking for out there is like people are going for me number one me first and and others later it says here picking up in philippians Chapter 2, verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. This is supernatural. When you take an interest in somebody else, that is supernatural. That's that's God's way of of doing things. And and we're, you know, talking about a radical humility of when you're putting others first and to serve them, you know. So what this looks like, this radical humility... It is considering others as better than myself. What's the great command? Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor. Neighbor as yourself. It's putting someone else first. That's the second commandment. And that is awesome. That's in God's word, you know? So, when you come to a four-way stop, and we have to come to a four-way stop just about any time we leave our house, there's a four-way stop a mile or so away, and you get there, who goes first? There's some people who don't even stop. They don't. Stop. Especially lately, it seems like they just go right through. It's just like, they don't even uh, look. Uh, 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 they go by. But do we want to go first? You know, well, I'm first. Or even if the, you know, your light's green, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of people, like, well, me first, and, and then you, you know. So... We would let others, we intentionally let others go first. Giving up the, the biggest piece of the pie. When you're thinking of others, it's better than yourself. You give them the biggest piece of the pie. And, you know, maybe there's one piece of the pie on the table, in the center of the table. And the lights go out for a second. Better be careful if you go grabbing for it. You can end up with several forks stuck in the back of your hand. Because everybody's trying to get it first, maybe. They're thinking about me. 
myself, you know. When we're putting other people first, we keep our promises because God surely keeps his promise, does he not? Yes. Awesome. He keeps his promise and we should keep our promises and we should show up on time for appointments by keeping our promises to others. And we give to others before we get everything we want. We're, we're open to do what God shows us to do, but some people's like, well, it's me first. Once I get everything I need in life, well, then I'll, I'll be considerate of other people. That's not what God asked of us. And then in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, You must. Must? I mean, that sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You must. It's like, what percentage would must be? 100%. Like, you must breathe oxygen. And you say, well, I'll show you, Pastor Ron. <gasps> you must breathe. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. You must. 100% of you guys must breathe in order to live. But it says you must. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I mean, this is seriously radical humility. Are you familiar with those letters that help us to learn the attitude of Christ? It's the WWJD. What would Jesus do? You can ask yourself that question and then do it regardless of the consequences. You know, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And, and we, we, we can check our attitude from time to time. You know, role models of our day are usually not very humble when you think about it. You know, they're often very selfishly ambitious, proud, arrogant, sports heroes, actors, singers, entertainers. They tend to have a very high regard for themselves and talent for self-promotion. Think about this. It seems that all forms of the media, all forms of the media uh, open up and they say, you know, whether you're online, on your phone, uh, look at me, look at me, look at me, selfie, 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 look at me, 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 me. And I don't know how some people do it. It's like every, every five seconds of their day, there's another picture of them, what they're doing, what they're having for breakfast, what they're, where they're driving, what they're driving in, the new shoes that they buy, the, the this and that and this and that. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me. Hey, uh, look at me. <laughs> is, is that? Even Facebook, you know, it's your face that's on that all the time. You know, not yours, but it's. <laughs> and, and YouTube, you know, even the names of these things pr promote. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Selfie. And what we're talking about is radical humility of taking the attitude of Christ. And that's what the scripture says. You must have the attitude that Christ Jesus had. In the NCAA basketball final four playoffs in Dallas, there was an interesting statement that made, made by one of the coaches prior to the game. And he was asked, why has your team done so well? What is it about this team that has made it come so far as it has come? 
And you know, he says, because everybody wants to know about success. How did you do this? He said, well, we have a motto on our team. And the motto is this. Good people do, good people do for themselves. Great people do for others. Obviously, in basketball, with his kind of team, what he was saying was this. We don't have anyone who selfishly thinks he has to do everything. On a basketball team, one person doesn't do everything, you know. He doesn't try to make the basket every time he comes down the court, as some people do. We have a team that says great people do for others. That is, let's get everybody involved. Let's do something for somebody else. It's like, you know, here we go. It's like, here, you pass somebody the ball, you make the point. Pass you the ball, you make the point. Here, I got the rebound. Hey, here's the ball. You make the point. But some people, what would you call them? Ball hoggers. I don't know. Ball hogs? It's, like, it's all about me. It's all about, give it to me. Give it to me. Let me make the point. Let me make the point. Let me make the point. The scripture tells us to be considerate of everyone. And it's not all about me. That's what he's telling us. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 44. And whoever wants to be first among you must, there's that word again, be the slave of everyone else. Must be the slave of who? Everyone else. If you want to be first, you must be the slave of everyone else. That's, that's radical humility. It's, it's really putting others first. It, it, is it really possible to put other people first? Yes. Definitely. I heard four people, five people say yes. <laughs> it's possible. Well, I'm going to tell you, it is possible. And through humility, you will obtain riches and honor in a long life. You will access the blessings of Almighty God that not, will not be obtained in any other way. But when you, you walk in this radical humility, which is the attitude of Christ Jesus. And picking up here in verse 45... For even the Son of Man came... Son of Man is came, talking about Jesus. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served. You go, oh, well, I thought He came to serve us. So you and I would experience the forgiveness of sins. So you and I would experience all of His blessings that God has sent our way. He came to serve us, not just to be served. And here we're supposed to have the attitude and become Christ-like. Philippians 2 verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus willingly released all of his heavenly attributes, all of his power. He created the heavens and the earth. And he had this awesome, wonderful power, but he laid that down. And he left it. And what he did on earth was as a human being. And then when he received the Holy Spirit at 30 years old, and he lived three more years, then everything he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's in your Bible, he said, you would do greater things than he did. That's what he said. And if you say, well, I don't believe that, well, then you'll never do those things. 
It's those who do believe. But Jesus said that. He laid down all of his heavenly attributes, you know, and, and he did what his father showed him to do, and then he showed us to follow his example. That's what he did. But he laid it all down. He didn't cling to it. Well, I'm the son of God, and I'm the son of God this, and I'm the son of God that, and they're not going to put me on a cross. I'll call the legions of angels. Could Jesus call legions of angels down? He could to rescue him, but he didn't. He came to this earth to be crucified to pay for our sins, to wash our sins away and to give us eternal life. That's just the way it is. You know, this means, uh, when you think about the position that, that Christ took, was very humble. He did not lord and... Uh, and, and we should not lord our authority over everybody else. Are we Mr. and Mrs. Big Shot, you know? Do we put great emphasis just in titles and decrees and uh, degrees and diplomas over other people? Do we try to make other people feel inferior? Do, do you try to make other people feel inferior? That they're not as smart or wise or, or good or whatever? Do we put people down? The Bible says that we should put others first, you know. And that doesn't mean to put yourself down. It just means to lift others up is what we're supposed to do. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 says, So Jesus called them. Them being his disciples. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. You want to be a leader? You must become a servant. You want to be a leader? You must become a servant. That's what the scripture says. There's a song. It's like a biblical song that, that we learned many, 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 many years ago. And it's a wonderful way. I think I've, I've said that to learn scripture is to learn to sing them. It goes like this, and if you know it or see the words, you can join us. Just a real snippet of one. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Of, you want to be great? Learn to be a servant. Learn to walk in humility. That's what's required of us. Learn to have the attitude of Christ. And that's this radical humility. There's a, uh, a great Christian leader of years gone by. His name was Jamie Buckingham. He's with Jesus now. But Jamie Buckingham, when I was a teenager, I had gone to... Uh, Black Mountain is a place in, in Montreat, North Carolina, where I ended up going to college at uh, in the beginning. And, but in the beginning, I, I went to a, a little coffee house. Just a bunch of teenagers went down there and hung out. And, uh, you know, Jamie Buckingham was there. And he was talking to all these teenagers. And I happened to be there that night, first time I'd ever met him. And the things that he was talking to all these teenagers made a profound impact spiritually on my life. And I did not know 
until we were married that Susan had met him at some conference somewhere and the things that he had taught them impacted her life in a mighty, powerful kind of a way. So that got me interested in Jimmy Buckingham and he had written some books and I got one of his books and I began to read one of these books and in this book he was talking about he had gone to some conference somewhere with a bunch of other pastors. It was just a conference for pastors and they went and where it was held at they had a bunkhouse and so all the pastors had these uh, bunks you know the, the bunk beds in this place and they all chose where they were going to sleep and they went to all the conferences and the seminars and all the things and spent time together seeking God and receiving wisdom. And once the conference was over, all the guys who were staying in this bunkhouse, they agreed to clean up the whole facility and leave it in better shape than they found it. And all these guys had pretty much done everything that needed to be done and they were sitting up there on their bunks. You know? And Jamie... Uh, Buckingham, he felt inspired that he should clean the restroom, the whole thing, and leave it in better shape than they had found it. So he walked over there to the restroom, and he walked in the door, and then he knelt down to begin the dirtiest job, you know, and God spoke to him. And when he went to the restroom, all the other pastors were watching him, you know, and God said, close the door. You know, nobody's going to know what you're doing here. You, you're not doing this before all the other pastors just to make a good impression about how holy and how wonderful, how unselfish you are. Just close the door and continue what you're going to do. But think about the thing that motivates us. Is, do we do things just to be seen and recognized by other people? Or do we do what we do for the Almighty God. He tells us here in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Uh -huh. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we're not, something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. Don't take over. Just because you're going to help, help. But don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Do you guys have a tendency to get bossy? You don't have to tell us if you don't want to. <laughs> If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open, be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, 
Don't let yourself get irritated with them. Do, or, do you get irritated with people who just can't quite get it? They take a long time to understand what you're saying and they're disadvantaged. Are you irritated with them? You know, you don't have to tell me that either. Or do you get depressed by them? Let's just read that again. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Can you guys smile? Can you can y'all give the biggest smile you got? And then look around to the people beside you. You know, you guys are feeling better already. I can see it. You know? A smile does help you substantially. It makes us feel better, you know. These next two verses, I love them. And, and our daughter Miracle, when she was a, a young teenager, she chose these two verses as her life verses. Listen to what they say. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. You know, we, we talked about that a little bit last week about playing second fiddle. And we've discovered that musicians will tell you the hardest instrument to play is second fiddle. Everybody would rather play the first violin, you know. But uh, an accompanying violin, which would be second fiddle, nobody wants to play second fiddle. They want to play first. But without second fiddle, you'll have no harmonies. And there'll be wonderful music that you'll never hear if nobody ever plays second fiddle. But the scripture says, practice, practice playing second fiddle. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Most folks, like Jesus gave up all his divine privileges to come to earth, to, to serve us and, and to get eternal life and forgiveness for us. There's lots of people who, who don't care for that mentality. They demand their rights. That's my rights and I want all my rights. You know, they demand that. That's just the way a lot of people are. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Now, that's radical. To take the humble position of a slave and to serve, that's radical. It was not forced upon him. He took this position, you know, of a slave. Years ago, we watched a movie called First Fruits. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I highly encourage it. And it was a true story, and it was about... Um, the gist of it was it was about a sugarcane plantation on some island or something. But anyway, in another country. In another country. And they, uh, the people who worked on that sugarcane uh, plantation were slaves. And there were two young men who wanted to have the opportunity to share Christ with the, the slaves. And the slave owners refused to allow them to have any contact with the slaves. Number one, they didn't want to take the slaves from their work because they worked from sunup to sundown. And then they wanted their slaves to rest so they would be ready for the next day's work. So they allowed them no time. And they, the, the young men said, well, how can, we, how can we have the opportunity to share our faith with these slaves? Uh, and they were so burdened about the slaves. And the slave owner said, the only way you can do that is to become slaves yourselves. 
and they did. They gave themselves to be slaves for the rest of their lives for the privilege and the opportunity to share Christ with all of the slaves, the other slaves on that plantation. They laid their lives down. They literally became slaves and servants to win others to Christ. They became very much like Christ. I don't know if everybody has the capacity to do that, but if you ever get a chance, like Susan said, it's called First Fruits. It's a movie. And you can see that these missionaries gave themselves completely to reach the slaves for Christ. John chapter 13, verse 12 says, After washing their feet, he and put... And this is Jesus washing feet of his disciples. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? This is radical humility. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, this is humility, radical humility. And uh, I've been in some church services where there was a foot washing going on, and it was okay, very humbling to wash somebody else's feet, but it's also humbling for somebody to wash your feet when you take off your shoes and they got holes all in them and everybody sees those. It's kind of a humbling situation. But the thing of it is, Jesus wasn't so much, and I've studied this out thoroughly, he wasn't so much wanting people to wash the feet. And if you'll study it and you'll find out he wants us to follow his example and he wants us to become a servant. And you know who did the washing of feet in the households in Jesus' day? The lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant in the household. And people had sandals. And their feet were always dusty and dirty. And when you would come over to, to greet someone, the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant would wash your feet, you know, to kind of refresh you. And Jesus is saying right here, you know, and since I am your Lord and teacher, and I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Go ahead. I have given you an example to follow. An example to follow. Do as I have done to you. That's radical. That was radical for them to do. And it would surely be radical for us to serve others the way Christ served them. You know? I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Learning radical humility to be like Jesus. Just to know it is not enough. But we act it out. We serve other people. We become the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant to minister life and health and blessings to other people to put them first. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. It seems like we read this verse already, didn't we? Yes, we did. And, and, and you know what? That's okay. I don't know if you've noticed, but every once in a while, I slip a scripture that we've already read, I slip it in again. Yeah, two or three times sometimes. Sometimes, because faith comes by hearing God's word. And, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, has anybody read... The four Gospels? 
It's like reading the same chapter four times. Say, well, I just read that over in Matthew. And then I read more. I just, and then Luke, I just read that in Mark. And then we read, well, I just read that. Because it takes the repetition of God's word for it to sink in and to settle with us. But listen to what he says here. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus was born as a human being. Let me explain what him being born as a human being was like. It was like us becoming a maggot. It's like us becoming a slug. It's like us becoming a crab. Some of you are pretty crabby at times, you know. Not me. No, I didn't say that. But for Jesus to become an earthling, born in a stable, in a manger, and he came here to serve, I mean, it was a very lowly place for Christ to come. He who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of Peace, who created it all, for him to come here was such a lowly position. That's what I'm talking about. And it says he was born as a human being when, when he, he appeared, appeared in, in human form. A human being. And he chose that. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Though he was rich, he became poor. He left it all. So by his poverty, you and you could become rich. That's, that's what he said. That's absolute humility. It's, it's unselfish. It genuinely is. Philippians 2 verse 8 says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus died. He was willing to die a criminal's death so we can be forgiven. I wonder if we're ever willing to die to our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish goal. Well, I want to do it this way. I'm not going to give it up. I, this is what I'm going to do. Are we ever willing to die to our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish goals? You know, that's really what Jesus did. In verse 9, it says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Highest. And gave honor. him the name above all other names. Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible says one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God? Every knee, every tongue, one day, even the unbelievers, even the demons and devils in hell, one day will bow their knee and they'll speak with their tongue and they will say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Bible says that will happen one day. Everybody's going to believe one day. It'll be kind of too late for them as far as to change their direction in life. But one day, everybody will confess that. I'll just read it again. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12 says, Haughtiness. Haughtiness is talking about pridefulness. Pride. Goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. And we know in John 10, 10, it says, The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the one who does the destruction. Jesus went on in John 10, 10 and said, But I've come to give you life and all of its fullness. That's what he tells us. But he says here, haughtiness, pridefulness, goes before destruction. If you're prideful and you're haughty, destruction is on its way to some areas of your life. Humility precedes honor. But humility goes forth and then honorable. Honor will be following the, the humility. That's what he's telling us. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, Dear friends, you always followed my, my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Are the results of salvation visible in your life? Can other people who see you and know you, they go, oh, that person's saved. I can tell just by the way they act and the way they talk and the way they handle themselves. Is it, is it obvious? Is it, is it visible to other people, you know? Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Hmm. How, how far should we go in obedience, you know, to Almighty God? Are, are we willing to obey God if it means we, I'm going to obey you, but, but I'm, I'll lose a customer if, if I obey God and I, I, I'll lose a sale if I obey God. I mean, how far are we willing to go to obey the Almighty? I, I'll lose the game. Maybe a ball game of some kind. If, if I obey God, I, I would lose, you know? Are we willing to obey God if it means that people wouldn't understand me? And, well, we don't like to be misunderstood, do we? But, but would we experience loss in our life? Are we willing to obey God even if I don't like to do that? But do we walk in humility and live Christ-like? Even if we don't like what it looks like to other people? Verse 13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God's working in us, in you, in me. God's working in you, giving you a desire to do what pleases him. I've got this desire, but he goes on to say, and the power. See, there's these books that people read and they study, and they're called self-help books. You read this book and you can help yourself, you know? But he tells us here, God's the one who's doing the work in you, right. giving you the desire. I, I had this desire. Help, uh, self-help book ain't gonna help me. Not really, not the way God wants. He's got a book that will genuinely help you. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Can, can you see that? Can, can you see that in your life? That, that God gives you the desire and He gives you the power to get her done? Psalm 69 verse 32 says, 
I think we've heard this one before, too. You want to read this verse today? The humble will see their God at work and be glad. The humble are going to see God at work in your own life, and you're going to be glad about it. Because he doesn't only give us the desire, but he gives us the power. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. Let all who seek God's help, you will obtain courage. You'll be encouraged. With humility comes this amazement that God is awesome. That God's crazy about you. He loves you. He is gracious. You know, as, as we learn to walk in humility, we see him as he is. He's revealing himself to us. F.B. Meyer said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above another. And the taller we grow, the easier we can reach them. But now, I find that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath another. And the lower we stoop, the more we get. Because that's humility. We're not exalting ourselves above everybody else. But, but we're humbling ourselves. And he tells us here in Proverbs 22.4. This sounds familiar too. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. God's word says that. True humility. When he says true humility, that tells us there's a false humility out there. That people can do things like Jimmy Buckingham was going to do. He was going to do something that looked like humility, but he was doing it to make a good impression. And it all changed when God said, shut the door. Are, are we walking in true humility? Can we follow the example and the attitude of Christ? You know? Philippians 2, 14 says, do everything. Now, now what percentage is everything? 100%. Do everything. Without complaining and arguing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everything. That means in just a few moments when you're released to go home and you're really hungry, it's 12.20 right now, and you're ready for lunch, and then you have a flat tire, doesn't that justify that you can complain? It doesn't do you any good. You know that from experience? I know it from experience. How many have discovered that complaining don't do you any good? It hurts you, if anything, because God's word says, do, do everything, everything without complaining, complaining and, and arguing. And, and we must learn. We must learn to rejoice. We must learn to, to praise God. We must learn to do things from his perspective. He tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who can rightly divide, which means skillfully read and study and understand and communicate the truth. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, who can rightly divide and skillfully use and teach the word of truth. You know, just because we accepted Christ don't mean we know it all. Well, we surely don't. But there's a learning process, and that's one of the things we do here. And when you watch something on YouTube or you read your Bible or your study, or you see, we're learning all the time, you know. 
And to see things from God's perspective is really huge. And, and there's something I learned many years ago, and it's, it's been life to me. And it's one of my very favorite verses. I don't know if you remember what that was. It was 828. And it says, now don't you think what's going on in your life right now that justifies you to complain. But it says, in Romans 8, 20, it says, and we know. We know. We, not just, well, we hope so, or we think maybe, or might, but it says that we know that all things, and what percentage is all things? 100%. 100%. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And his purpose is that we become Christ-like. We walk in humility. And we come to be servants. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So we can humble ourselves. We know God's going to call us together for good. And that's why He says, do everything without complaining. Complaining doesn't help you. But praising God in the midst of it does help you. It brings about the miraculous power of Almighty God. He turns it around and he works it together for good. But he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. You know, when our kids were growing up, there were we had Christian videos for them to watch. And they'd watch them over and over and over and again. And, of course, you memorize them by heart. But there was one line that was repeated in one over and over again. And it's a good question to ask ourselves. And it was this. Why do I do the things I, I do? do and who do I do, I do them for? It's a good question to ask. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And who am I doing it for? It just kind of puts things in the right perspective. It, it really does. Well, I know our time is up. I've got a lot more I want to share with you. It's pretty exciting stuff. But I would like us right now in humility just to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior in a personal way, would you pray along with me right now as I pray? And, and you guys who are watching us online, you guys who are here, if you don't know Christ, would you declare your faith in Him right now as you take that step? And that takes humility to ask for His help and to receive what He is promising to us. So would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life blood. I believe he gave his life blood. When he died on that cross. When he died on that cross. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. And make a place for me in heaven. And make a place for me in heaven. I receive Jesus. I receive Jesus. In my life. In my life. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.